a really interesting conversation about having a shared accountability around impact between funders and funding partners. And the take home message was their impact is our impact. Really what they were saying is, unless you can quite simply and clearly articulate what the impact or the purpose of your organisation is, then it's very difficult to seek funding and to have people understand what it is that you're trying to achieve in terms of the services and programs that you deliver. You're listening to Small But Mighty, the podcast of the Small Nonprofits Alliance, the online hub for Australia's small charities. Hey friends, I'm Bianca, founder and CEO of the Small Nonprofit Alliance. Today on Small But Mighty, I'm joined by Lindy Fentiman. First of all, I'd like to say that I'm here on the land of the Wurundjeri people, the place where I grew up and now live and work. And I'd like to pay my respects to elders past, present and emerging. And of course, acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which you reside today. So Lindy is with us and Lindy is the General Manager of Strategy and Growth for Strategic Grants. She has more than 30 years experience working in health and community sectors. Driven by a passion to improve the lives of those in our communities, her healthcare management, education and research background is broad and diverse. Lindy's expertise ranges from program planning and development, monitoring and evaluation to stakeholder and relationship management as well as coaching and mentoring. She's inspired to improve people's lives through grant success stories achieved by the charities that they work with at Strategic Grants. Hello, Lindy. How are you today? Hi, Bianca. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're really excited to have you here as part of our Small But Mighty podcast. Wonderful. Well, thank you for inviting me. It's always a pleasure to talk about something I feel so passionate about. Excellent. Um, maybe we will jump straight in then because I know um, we've got a, a few exciting things and um, interesting things to share with our audience um, about the world of grants. So let's get into that. Really, what are some of the trends that you're seeing in the grant funding world for charities at the moment? So it's a really good question um, and it was lovely to see that you were focusing in on that. I recently had the opportunity to attend the Philanthropy Australia conference a couple of weeks ago and there were some really clear themes that emerged um, during the course of that fabulous event. The first one is about creating trusted partnerships and this is something that um, Strategic Grants and our team, we talk about a lot but it came through as a really consistent message. We know that trusted partnerships take time to develop, particularly when you're talking about participatory grant um, making, and there's a lot of research and conversation going on about it. So it was just a really good reminder about the importance of creating those meaningful partnerships. The second really strong message was around accountability. And so for me, one of the really important things that we do in this space is talk about our impact. And so there was a really interesting conversation about having a shared accountability around impact between funders and funding partners. And the take-home message was their impact is our impact. Mm. So really what they were saying is unless you can 
quite simply and clearly articulate what the impact or the purpose of your organisation is, then it's very difficult to um, seek funding and to have people understand what it is that you're trying to achieve in terms of the services and programs that you deliver. That's really good to hear um, that there is that that shared agreement around that impact because I'm sure just the conversation about that would probably take the weight off the charity's shoulders just a little because I know a lot of charities, especially smaller organisations, feel a lot of pressure around that impact piece. So having um, a shared you know, purpose with a funding partner around that um, would be would be really helpful. Um, uh, we're going to chat, I think, a little bit more about social impact a bit later. Yes. Um, and and you know how small charities can do that. But I just, I think, thinking about trends, I guess, and and the landscape more broadly, I guess, in Australia with grants, I I know a lot of philanthropic funders um, really responded, sorry, responded really well. And in many cases, they pivoted um, quite quickly with their grants program when the COVID-19 global pandemic first hit our shores. Um, And they strengthened their support um, with their current grant partners and where possible, they offered more support more quickly than probably many of them have ever done before. I felt that this was a really positive outcome and funders demonstrated that they can actually be really responsive and really nimble. Um, which perhaps hadn't been the case earlier than that. But how do you think COVID-19 has shifted the grants landscape in Australia or, or do you think it has shifted it and, and how do you think it has? So I think your comments are spot on and, and I think there have been some really positive outcomes for the sector that's come off the back of the pandemic. So for me and, and what the team sees adding on to the comments that you've just made, the other kind of shift that we've seen is an appreciation or an increase in providing funding around building capacity. So there was a lot of conversation about pay what it takes and there was a real call to action um, for grant makers to fund what, you know, we would traditionally call indirect costs, so costs that can't be directly attributed to a program or project. But to really create long-term impact, then you need to be able to um, address those capacity building and indirect um, costs. For some programs, we know that, you know, 30 to, 30 to 33 or 34% um, of the funding they receive needs to be directed towards those costs. And yet typically... Um, it's not necessarily accounted for um, in the funding that's received. So so it is a challenge and it was really good to hear that conversation happening. Um, One quick example, Paul Ramsey Foundation announced that they were looking at setting an interim 30% standard for indirect costs in their funding agreements and there's the flexibility to um, shift that up or down depending on the need of the organisation. So that was a really kind of positive conversation mm-hmm. to be having. Yeah, that's we huge. All, that's huge. Oh, yes, that's, it sorry, is. That's huge. I, I, and it's it so is. good to see um, that shift. I think, you know, as someone who's been um, primarily on the, the grant writing side for many, many years for charities and with charities, yes. um, that's always been really hard, that sort of 
it has to be project based and because as if there's no other costs um that go on in in an organization so that's really exciting to hear that you know australia's i i believe they are the biggest philanthropic um funder uh in terms of dollars and and they're very well respected in the sector so if they're starting to make those shifts then hopefully others um you know foundations and things will look towards that model as well that sounds yes. great Yes, and I I love your comments because it also, I think, highlights that this also feeds into that kind of um, partner relationship. So that work around building that relationship is really important. So the more that we can do that and the more that we can build trust and there's a shared um, responsibility around due diligence and investing in those long-term relationships, then there's probably uh, more commitment to funding those kinds of um, costs that you don't necessarily see. So mm. that that real, you know, really understanding what pay, what it takes means. Yeah. The other thing just quickly to add to that, which kind of is a, is a natural segue for me, was again a focus on collaboration. And so we know that collaboration is really important, but this was collaboration um between service providers and with other for-purpose organisations. So a very um, robust conversation about the importance of not duplicating effort and leveraging off the work of other organisations and partner agencies. And this is seen very favourably, I would say, both by um, trust and foundations and also by government. So we're seeing more and more... Um, focusing on this concept of really having meaningful um, collaboration and being prepared to, again, invest in deepening those relationships for long-term benefit. Yeah, yeah, that's so positive. It's re That's really positive. And I think um, that idea that you are just talking about uh, is probably going to be really exciting for smaller organisations to hear as well, you know, that yes. idea that collaboration collaboration and partnerships are really looked favourably upon. I know, again, a few um, a few of the larger organisations in the funding space have, have sort of been doing that in recent years, but to hear that that's sort of more and more the way that they are talking, that it, that's really exciting, I think. Um, it also leads, I guess, you know, sort of circles back to our earlier comments around that social impact piece because um, for organisations that are trying to you know, tell their story about how they create social impact, especially when it's talked a lot about in the sector, um, especially from philanthropic funders and sometimes even in grant applications, people need to, to talk about their social impact. It can be really challenging and sometimes I think overwhelming for smaller organisations. Yes. So I wonder if you have any advice for small charities particularly who perhaps mm. haven't actually been able to invest a lot of money into, you know, measuring their impact, what steps might they be able to take to start to understand their impact? And, again, I think it's a really important question and I think sometimes when um, we talk about impact, it, it creates a level of anxiety, um, you know, um, organisations, as you said, think, oh, my gosh, like what does that look like and how on earth are we ever going to be able to do that? But really it it's really important, I think, to simplify that process and to just be very clear um, from the very beginning. So some 
kind of simple tips and strategies and things that we often work on with organisations is around just taking the time to clearly articulate what the outcomes are for your organisation or what, what the impact of the project is. So think about the end game, um, what we're doing along the way in terms of activity and output is obviously very, very important and it's a means to an end. But take the time to just sit down and say, what's the end game? What, what is it here uh, that we're trying to do? Because for me, once you know what that is, then that's, that's part of the strategy. The other thing that will do for you is let you really... Um, become much more confident about communicating those outcomes in your key messaging. So your key messaging is obviously really important. So the clearer, the simpler, the more confident um, the team is about talking about those things and articulating those things, that will make your key messaging very powerful. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, you can also build in simple measures. So I'm a I'm a great believer in breaking things down so that they're they're manageable. Um, you know, eat little pieces of, of cake and before you know you've eaten the whole thing um, <laughs> as a simple kind of example. So while you're having that conversation about what is it that you're trying to achieve, then talk about some simple measures that you can put in place from the beginning. I absolutely appreciate what a difficult balance it is for small charities to choose where they invest their time and they've got limited resources. But if you can just think about those things at the beginning, then it increases your opportunity to collect really meaningful data or, or really meaningful stories mm. about people's experiences along the way. And so try and embed those in the project or the program from the beginning and again have teams and and the good people that you work with very confident about talking about those things and embedding them in in the work that you do from the beginning yeah thanks lindy there's some really really great tips there i think like you said you know can create the word social impact or that that terminology when people hear it they do, you know, they do, heart does go a flutter and they, they do experience probably some stress and anxiety around it because I think it's, um, you know, it sort of has become a bit of a buzz term and it, and there's, I think there's a perception that it's loaded with um, so much research because, yes, there are some organisations yes, yes. out there that have, you know, full theory of change and a whole lot of information but it doesn't need to be that. I think your last point in particular about, you know, just, um, looking at what you're doing and some finding some small pieces of the cake <laughs> yes. um, that you can start to think about how you do things to add up that whole that whole piece and looking at what you can measure and and just starting to do that really small those small steps I think is a really great piece of advice so thank you for sharing that one shifting a little bit away from philanthropic grants I guess and thinking a little bit about government Data from the Australian Charities and Not-for-Profit Commission um, would suggest that smaller organisations get less government funding than bigger ones, although that gap has shrunk a little bit in the last few years because a lot of um, mm. charities that were previously not particularly um, 
government funded were receiving the one-off government booths and JobKeeper and things like that. So they did get they did get some government funding. But historically, smaller organisations do get less government funding. Um, do you have any advice for um, our listeners around, you know, if they are speak, seeking any government funding specifically? And I guess probably worth mentioning that, w- again, when we're talking about government for our listeners, let's think about there's three levels of government funding. We've got the local, you know, so I think a lot of people always think about federal government like, oh, well, we we can't do that. But smaller charities, you know, state funding may be more appealing or even like I mentioned earlier local that local government organization funding or local council funding and stuff but um mm. but yeah do you have any other um yeah any tips around any of those sorts of things mm. so I actually think it's a very timely question because um there are lots of things that have come out of the pandemic and some of them are actually very positive, I feel, for smaller charities or organisations that are really connected with what's going on in their community, which smaller charities, in my experience, are. You know, if you really want to know intimately what sorts of challenges a community or a particular population is facing, then, you know, those kinds of grassroots organisations, they will be all over it absolutely so the way and look we all know the way in which government funding flows to smaller organizations is ever-changing so it's very much around for me local issues identified community need um, whatever the current economic and political climate is and an observation for me and, and a number of my colleagues is, you know, those recent government funding boosts that you mentioned, and they were definitely created in direct response to the pandemic, they were very much focused around local and regionally based organisations. So it was an opportunity, I think, to shine a light on work that was already happening and investing or sharing funding with organisations that were already known to the community and the community has confidence, you know, in what they do. So I actually think it's put a spotlight on the really important role that those organisations play. And so there's an opportunity to leverage off that at the moment through those really strong local connections. And you're right, I think you need to think about local state and federal government, think about knowing your local members, think about knowing, you know, those key kinds of partners and um, local people that you can talk and meet with to really share the work that you're doing. So I actually think it's positive and and I believe it will continue um, as we move forward out of the pandemic, but certainly we continue to struggle with issues around community resilience and mm. natural disasters and, you know, there's a whole lot of um, issues and factors going on. So I, I actually think that's a positive thing that's come out of, you know, what was a very um, difficult experience for communities. Mm. Yeah, I do think it has shifted a bit, but you're spot on with the um, the idea that, you know, it's something that we often talk with our audience and our members about is that there's so much power in small charities and and yeah. um, and some of it is or a lot of it is to do with 
their unique ability to be so grassroots and so in at that community level that not always uh, larger organisations can actually do that, have that same sort of, um, you know, approach to a very local localised issue or a localised area. So it's really good to hear you talk about that too, I think. Now, thinking specifically about, you know, about what we really want to know and probably what our listeners really want to know is about actually getting their grants written and, and, and you know, getting ready to be able to yeah. do that. What are your three tips for small charities in particular to get grant ready so they're in a good place to, you know, be as successful as they can be when preparing funding applications? So, again, it's a good question and, you know, being grant ready or being well prepared is um, is a critical success factor. So it, it's one of the many um, important things to be thinking about. So there's a little bit of a list, but if I had to choose my top three, my first one I think would be around the key messaging that we talked about. So it's very important to be able to clearly and simply articulate who you are, what you do and what your purpose is. And then that's a natural flow on for me about then being able to talk about what your measures of success are. So we talked a little bit about impact before and we talked a little bit about building in, you know, kind of monitoring and evaluation strategies. But really a simple way of thinking about it is how will you measure your success? How will you be able to show what the benefits are uh, in terms of the work that you do? So key messages, measures of success. And the third one would be it's quite, it's quite practical but really important, and that's about having um, really strong, well-constructed project plans and budgets. So, you know, showing that you're very clear about what needs to happen, what the cost of that is, what the realistic cost of that is, having that kind of information at your fingertips, but particularly about projects and programs. So that will help you be very agile in terms of responding to grant opportunities that come your way because it's a sidebar observation, but the lead time around responding to grants, an observation I would make having worked in the space for a while is, they're getting shorter, <laughs> mm. you know, the, and a lot of my experience is government um, as well. And so that um, quick, responsive, agile opportunity, I think that will come more and more. So the more that you can be ready with your messages, what your success measures will be, what your plan and what the cost is, then you'll be, you know, you'll be well set up to respond um, in a meaningful way. Mm. Great, very great top tips there, Lindy. Thank you so much. Hopefully our listeners are jotting all of those things down rapidly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So obviously you've had a lot of your success um, and, and, you know, strategic grants have been doing a lot of work in this space for a long time. Can you tell us um, about an exciting example of a small charity that's had some really great success through grant writing Um, and through their grant funding 
um, that that you're aware of and um, and what, you know, I guess what learnings could we take from that in terms of what sort of what do you think their reason for that success was? Um, obviously you've got to have a great project and and that sort of stuff, mm. but there's surely there's always going to be elements of good grant writing practice in there. So is yes. there something you can share with us? Yes, I so I put the call out. Um, we put the call out to the team, and there were lots of different examples. But um, the particular organisation I'm thinking of, so they're a gem local, so they have a gem local subscription, and occasionally we support them with um, actual application writing. So one of our really important um, objectives, I guess, is about building the capacity. Um, of charities and organisations to be able to, you know, really have great success in terms of their grant strategy. And so one of the things that we do is we're able to provide um, more support or less support at different points in time based on what's going on. So the example I can think of is it was an organisation with a very small team of employees and... um, the work that they've done has grown its planned growth over several years and now they're at a point where so they actually work with schools um, and they have a wait list of schools waiting to undertake the program that they offer. So they've actually got schools seeking them out to provide this um, lovely service. So they reached out to Strategic Grants in 2020, so probably early in 2020, Um, and two of the staff members, one of them was the general manager, Um, so they upskilled themselves using the resources. So part of our GEM local subscription is there's lots of really cool resources there and best practice blogs and tips, so they really spent a bit of time upskilling themselves around that They invested in professional development just for one staff member and that staff member was able to share what they learned at one of their um, grant seeker workshops. Their next step was they they wrote some key messages. So they developed a really nice set of key messages and really diligently worked on that, sought some advice from our team and refined them till they were really very clear and nice and strong. And so by the end of 2020, they were then able to say, look, we need to invest a small amount of money um, from our budget for some expertise to help us write a grant for the perpetual round. So for them, it was the perpetual 2021 impact round. And so um, they were successful with that. And that then allowed them to develop an online version of their program and advance delivery of their face-to-face program. So that was very planned and, you know, quite structured. And then at the same time, we also did some prospect research work for them. So one of the things that it's very important um, for us when we're working with Uh, all of our clients, but particularly smaller charities, is that we're looking at a grant matching or opportunity process that's closely aligned. So there's not a lot of time, there's not a lot of resources, and so a lot of thought goes into finding the right opportunity. 
to map, you know, to maximise your chance of success. So we can do some additional work to really refine that list of prospects. And so there was a small piece of work that we did that around that. And then they built on that again. And they've actually just received more funding from a larger funder recently saying that they really enjoyed reading their application. So they it's a lovely story and they've just consistently followed um, a structured and well-thought-out pathway, you know, investing in small pieces of work along the way. Mm. So it's a great story. And a model I think that, you know, is resonates with smaller charities and is not, you know, you can easily learn from and, and replicate yourself. Yeah, thanks, Lindy. You're right. That is a fabulous story. And um, what is really exciting is um, for any of our audience that have, you know, that know anything about or know a little bit about um, the Australian grant writing space, that mm-hmm. perpetual grant <laughs> you talked about. Yep. Probably one of the most competitive grant rounds every year and it's probably some of the most tricky grant writing, um, you know, in my personal opinion to do maybe outside of government, you know, federal government grants I think. Um, But, again, the way you have to think about um, responding to those perpetual grant questions really does get you thinking um, sometimes for some organisations quite differently about how they do things. So it does get you thinking very strategically and um, about your objectives and all that sort of stuff. But I think I think the message there, and it's so great that that small charities had that that outcome. But I think the message there is what I'm hearing you say is that that planned approach is really what had is really what got their success. So that little bit of investment along the way um, in the professional development and the learnings, but it was a planned approach. And I think in my experience, I'd I'd probably agree with that where I've had most success with organisations, whether I've been working in them or or with them, it's been when we've had, um, you know, more time to think things through. We've had a more planned approach and not just shooting out applications, you know, like out of a six-shooter or something like that in a Western movie, um, but doing it more, uh, more planned and purposeful. So um, I think that's a really good reminder to everybody just to, to have this time to step back and, and really, you know, look at what you're doing and what that end goal is. Um, and if it is that you want to build a revenue stream around philanthropic and, and government grant funding, then you do need to think about the plan of how to get you there. Because it can be quite a um it can be quite a stable and um, you know, higher return on investment type of like method of funding in terms of all the different things that we can do in our fundraising in all the different um, tools that we have in our fundraising suite, grant writing and and that sort of stuff can really help build stability into our organisation and especially if you're successful at getting multi-year grants and things like that, it really allows us to do do a lot. So I think that underlying message there around planning is really important. Yes. And I think just quickly to add to that, um, what's really important about your comments again is reminding us all about the importance of that donor relationship piece. Mm. So it's also about building a relationship. Um, Trusts and foundations, they are keen, like they are keen to see the funds that they have used for good. Um, And so 
yes, it's it's about having a very planned approach, understanding really clearly, having a good program plan, you know, very robust, very solid, very clear, but at the same time spending that time or investing that time in um, developing that relationship because it is it is all about um, saying, you know, this is our purpose, this is what we're looking to achieve, this is why we exist and this aligns beautifully. Like, you know, there's a match here and together, so if we go back to our earlier comments uh, um, at the start of our lovely conversation, you know, there's a shared accountability around impact, mm. then, you know, it's kind of like, well, we're in this together, so mm. we want this to work. And and that's a way of working that I think is really important. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also very satisfying as yeah. well. Yeah, agree. I agree. That's a, a beautiful place to start wrapping up our conversation, Lindy, although it has been a delight and we could talk about um, grants for much longer. Um, for me, <laughs> I think for me personally as uh, with a writing background, um, my one of my first, well, not one of my first, my very first job when I fell into fundraising was as a communications manager for an organisation and one of my key responsibilities was writing grants, among many other things. Yes. But um, I remember my first role, my first week in the job, I was preparing a federal grant application and was, like, slightly mortified at what I had to do. Um, but, <laughs> but I, you know, I think it's a really important area and a lot of um, smaller organisations can definitely learn a lot about it so in the vein of um you just talking about the idea of shared purpose and shared value I think it's a really great opportunity to to say that we are so thankful at the small nonprofit alliance for our partnership with strategic grants that we do very much have shared value you were talking earlier about what you, what you aim to do at strategic grants is build capacity within organizations and that's exactly what we aim to do as well at the small nonprofit alliance we want to work with our members to help them you know upskill themselves educate themselves and be you know get what they need at that point in time so they can do better in what they're doing um so i know our um Thanks to our partnership, our advanced members at the Small and Profit Alliance have a very generous discount um, to the GEM local platform that you offer or, or the tool that you offer. Um, so I'll put some notes in our, uh, some links in our show notes about that. But can you just tell us briefly what the benefit of GEM local would be for our listeners if they were thinking about jumping into this wonderful world of grant writing? How would GEM local <laughs> help them? So it's essentially, it's a grants calendar. So it's a grants calendar database, and, but it's specifically designed for smaller charities, okay, um, and community organisations. So uh, a few minutes ago we talked about uh, not focusing so much on how many grants are out there but finding the right ones for your organisation. So it is an easy tool. It provides a customised grants calendar, but it's about just the grants that are relevant to your organisation. Um, you can track your applications. You can receive email alerts. There's lots of information around practical tip sheets and videos and writing samples, so lots of resources 
to do some of that upskilling work that we talked about before. Um, it's got a, a guide around how to set up your online presence and it's cloud-based so it's easy to use and you can access it from anywhere. So those things are really important for um, smaller organisations. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah. Um, I do know a couple of our members um, at least are, are GEM local users and, and speak really highly of the um, platform. So if we, like I said, we'll put a few notes, um, a few links in the notes um, for people to have a look at that. Um, right. But thank you, Lindy, so much for your time today. It's been so um, wonderful speaking with you. Uh, like I said, uh, speaking about grants is a bit of a personal favourite of mine um, because <laughs> of my fond early days. Um, but I do think it is a great opportunity. And I think some of the key points you made around that planned approach, making sure you are, you know, strategic about who you're trying to apply for rather than just applying, you know, as much as it can sometimes be a numbers game. It's not just shooting out to all of them and seeing what ones stick. You want to, um, you know, be purposeful in, in what you're applying for. So really do thank your thank you for your time today. It's been a delight chatting with you. Thank you.